Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today I've got Kevin Call and John Adams from High Point Outfitters. Guys, how you doing? Good, Jay. Doing good. It's always good to have you guys on the podcast. So we're sitting here about the 7th of, of October, 6th of October, and I want to do a elk season 2020. I guess we'll call it the COVID season recap uh, for elk season in Arizona. <laughs> Um, what what are your overall impressions of the season now that it's finished uh, for elk? You know, Jay. I mean, it uh, unfortunately we didn't have a real good rut. I mean, of course, everybody knows Arizona. Uh, you know, was super dry, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, I think the number one uh, downside of hunting elk in Arizona is without a monsoon. Uh, you know, the rut's going to be impacted, and we definitely saw it this year. Uh, actually, a little more this year uh, than last year. Uh, we did great. Uh, we did, you know, we had an 80% kill success on all of our archery hunts around the state, so we did okay on our hunts, uh, but uh, the rut was very lackluster, uh, hit or miss, real pockety, uh and unfortunately, uh, you know, it wasn't as fun uh, as it normally is. So we had to grind it out, uh, but the success was still strong. So uh, it was just kind of a, I guess, lackluster rut is how I would, you know, kind of summarize it. I think one of the things that's hard for all of us, you know, that have hunted Arizona and seen it when it's really, really good, 
as well as the hunters coming in with expectations of getting that experience because quite frankly there's other states that guys can go to and hunt uh, and get big bulls but what everybody craves is the great bugling and great experience from a lot of people I've been talking to just that just like what you're saying that overall rut uh, just didn't seem to happen and if it did it was real pockety was that your experience that you know you'd get bulls bugling here and there but it was there was no consistency to it yeah no it, it was yeah I, I had an awesome client and I you know I kind of had felt like usually during scouting you can kind of get a sense whether you know the elk are going to start running or not like the week leading up to the hunt and I, I called him, uh, Craig, I just said, hey, you know, are, are you fine if we hunt, like, the first three days? And if, if we're still going and the rut isn't going, are you fine just going back? He's from Utah. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine with that. So he can't, you know, I actually sent him home on day two of the hunt. Like, it was that bad. You mean like um, to come back know, and hunt the last part of the season? Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Yeah. Usually we just do like, you know, seven day hunts and stuff. Um, and I, yeah, I hunted with him for the first two days and I just said, Hey, come back next, next week, next weekend. And you know, you'll have a way better hunt. Um, and he was totally good with that. Drove back to Utah and met back at camp, I think on Saturday, um or friday and and he hunted you know until the end of the until the end of the hunt and you know he got he got more shots i mean he shot at a at a stud bull it wasn't the best opportunity and then he had a few more other shots um but man i if we would have stayed there um it, for the rest of that first week it, it was going to be miserable but it, it slowly started getting better but um out of the three shots he had, one was a call-in. The other one um, was spot and stock, and the other one was um, just getting in front of the elk while he was pushing his cows. But I mean, it, it was it was pretty it was pretty like the rut was was not great by any by any means. Yeah, well, Jay, like like you said, I mean, you, you want to provide your clients that call-in opportunity, and it it was just tough. It was just tough to get that done this year uh, under that type of a scenario. So um, uh, so it wasn't as as fun, but at least our success hung in there, which, you know, we were glad to see that all of our guys uh, were able to get it done. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he had passed up on, you know, I would say, you know, a half dozen um opportunities at some good bulls like um but you know he wanted he wanted to hunt a 400 inch bull and we finally made that happen on the last two days of the hunt um or he wanted to you know shoot a 370 plus bull and he wanted to hunt a 400 or shoot a 370 so um you know he he did it i mean he he knew he was going to have the opportunity to use tag i mean we would have you know bulls less than 350 or 350 you know and we would just walk away from them so um it's good to have clients that show up you know if they want a trophy hunt 
and and they stick to their guns. You know, yeah. It, it's it's I I I enjoy hunting with people like that. Like I you know just like hunters want to know our expectations, like what we expect out of them, and they expect out of us. It's it's good that both both parties hold up to that. You know, whenever they show up in the camp, and he was a stud to hunt with. So let, let me back up a second. Um, let's say, you know, September 1st, at what point did you realize or did you have in the back of your mind that it was not going to be what Unit 10 is known for? I mean, or did it take till the opener of, I think, the 11th, 10th or 11th for you to be like, oh, yeah, it's not going to happen? Or did you have a pretty good sense early that it just wasn't, wasn't going to be there? Yeah, I mean... Usually, whenever we're antelope hunting in ten, I mean, we will we will hear bulls bugling. We'll you know we'll be getting pretty pumped during that antelope hunt, and it was just not happening. Like there was, it was so dry that you know, um, and even whenever you glass up bulls, um, they were singles. All the giant bulls were singles, which will usually happen. But then normally, like right before the hunt starts, that weekend prior, before the hunt starts, you'll start seeing those bigger bulls start moving in on those cows. Yeah. And it just never happened. There was still, you know, 330-type bulls on the cows and um, all the bulls that we were seeing that were, you know, like 80-plus were, were by themselves. Like they would walk literally right by the cows and just keep going. And it was just like, what in the world is going on? So, so do you think I mean, that the, still, the cows didn't, there's a bunch of cows that did not cycle, or do you feel like a bunch of them are cycling late, like potentially right now? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, um, just one second here. Um, yeah, I, I would say, uh, I would say that, I don't know if it's possible if they skip, because that would hurt the, the, you know, the, the calf ratio next year. Um, but I do think, you know, game of fish should take that into account for tags next year. I don't know. Like if they're not producing calves, you know, like that's going to hurt the population of elk and, you know, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I would say they probably, skipped it this year i mean we still even have lester out in the field i just talked to him today and he's still saying that the bulls are literally walking right past past the group of cows and just just to go get water and they won't even hang out with them still even currently right now like the big bulls so what do you guys i asked chris rowe i was talking to him about seven west and i was asking him about you know kind of what he heard of and out of the hundred tags in unit 10 like how many bulls do you think actually got killed this year on the archery hunt? I mean, do you think it's like 10 out of 100 or 20 out of 100? How many actual, you know, tagged bulls do you think got harvested? Man, there was, I, I know of a few people that that definitely killed bulls. Um, I didn't see any giants that got killed um, during the archery hunt. But just numbers-wise, um, what would you guess? I mean, 30 out of 100? You know, I, I'll bet you our success uh, is pretty similar to what it was last year. Um, I, you know, I, I'll bet we're 
in the forty percent range. So forty out yeah, of hundred. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's that far off of uh, uh, years past. Just the quality. I don't think. I think yeah. people were just starting to settle for for anything. I would say probably thirty tags out of a hundred probably filled. If I had to put a number on it. And what about the early rifle hunt? As far as the harvest on that, I mean, it it has to be lower than normal as well. Uh, I would say from everybody that I knew that had an early rifle hunt in ten, which I probably know maybe twenty of the tags, all of them filled. I don't think anybody didn't fill. I would just say the quality wasn't there. Like people were shooting busted six points. Um, everyone in our camp, um, you know, killed 370 plus bulls, um, besides one probably killed a 360 type bull. Um, but I would say, I would, yeah, I would say it was probably, you know, not the best of, uh, of quality. If, if you will. You talk, you talk about broken points. Uh, sorry, Kevin. You talk about broken points. I mean, with a lackluster rut, were there actually quite a few bulls that, that did not break, or did they really start breaking at the end? Um, man, whenever there would be... So we would drive, like, in the middle of the night, like 2 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock at night, and, and just find that it felt like one cow went into estrus, you know, like, um, and, and whenever you would wake up to see the bulls in the morning, there was, there was some points busted, but it was usually the rut will last until like nine, nine o'clock. Sometimes you'll be still kind of chasing bugles and stuff. It was 15 minutes after like it was done. Um, but, you know, through the night, because there was a full moon, they they definitely busted some points during during that time of the hunt. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was, uh, you know, we, of course, this is the time of year, right, that, every, you know, the horns get broken, what have you. But with the lack of, uh, with the lack of rut, I think I saw less bulls broke. We certainly saw bulls broke, but I think I saw less this year than in years past when we've had a strong rut. So... Uh, I, I think it's pointed, uh, uh, you know, that late hunt uh, should be a little better and a little, and few less uh, broken bulls, uh, at least in uh, in 10. Yeah, I mean, usually when you saw a bull off by himself, you'd figure a satellite bull. This year, that was usually the best bull in the unit. Like, it was nuts. It was, it was like, a, like a late rifle bull hunt. The, the or late rifle archery hunt, you know, you spot and stock, glassing, you know, like calling them in uh, was starting to happen during the early rifle hunt. You were starting to call in quite a few, like 330 type bulls. Um, but yeah, it was the rut definitely was not there this year. With the rut being more lackluster and maybe some points not breaking, do you think the late hunt's actually going to be a pretty good hunt this year? Um, I definitely think between between um, last year, all of those bulls um, with the snowfall, a lot of them didn't get killed. Um, and then this year, um, not, not very many of them breaking. 
Um, I I think I think it's going to be good. You know, um, I'm pretty excited about it. So, you know, the elk are definitely concentrated around the water, of course, so we say, you know, generally are, but man, it, there were very few dirt tanks with water uh, this year, and uh, they were concentrated around the ones that had water. Uh, the same thing will happen in November. Uh, you know, water will be critical. I mean, it doesn't look like there's any water in the forecast any coming anytime soon, so if it continues to stay dry, uh, uh, I think the lake home ought to be a decent hunt this year. Those guys out there with those uh, November archery tags, and I believe there's even a muzzleloader hunt, uh, would you say to them, you know, really focus on find find those places that have water and really know that those elk are probably going to be stacked on that? Is that is that a good strategy? <laughs> I'd say those guys uh, saved a lot of points because uh, they're going to have the same opportunity as those people during the September hunt. It's going to be the same exact hunt. I mean, spot and stock, um, you know, if you can sit water with a forecast coming around, I'd say that's probably going to be about the same. Um, yeah, it, like the old, the only benefit the early archery guys have from the late November archery tags is probably whenever we would get to drive around at 2 o'clock midnight to listen for where the bulls are at. That's the only perk that we had during that early archery hunt. So Guys, I'd say they're going to you've been hunting 10 for a long time and years ago uh the bokeas the the big bow you know made some different rule changes and whatnot about sitting water and numbers of guys in camp and you know guides had to pay a registration fee and you know the the, the list goes on but my question for you is uh, having hunted it before the rules and now having had a handful of years after the rules are in place, what have you noticed? What are your thoughts? What are your comments? You know, Jay, I, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, it's all positive uh, on our side. Uh, sure, you know, it costs a little bit to get on the ranch, but, you know, a hunter's paying, I think, $110. Uh, you know, to hunt or have access to 750,000 acres. I mean, that is just off the charts to be able to spend $110 for that uh, type of uh, ability for access. So, uh, you know, we think it's all positive. Certainly, uh, you know, you want to see a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities uh, in the other parts of the unit, Unit 10. Uh, but, uh, you know, without, I'll just give a plug to, uh, to the Bokeas. I mean, without that water this year on the Bokeas, uh, I'm not sure what the elk would have done. They would have really struggled. I mean, I know the elk in Unit 9 struggled uh, a little bit. I mean, uh, Arizona Elk Society is just pumping water. They've been, you know, hauling water for almost uh, over two months now uh, in nine seven west etc they don't do much they don't have to do much in 10 because of all the water that's pumped uh, uh from the bokeh so i think it's a huge plus uh i know there's a lot of uh animosity and downside for folks that you know don't want to pay uh you know the fee to get on uh but it, to us it's just a you know it's it's a big plus uh, for hunters plus uh, big time for the elk uh, to have that water opportunity there 
And uh, I think it's just uh, win-win. Do you think the animosity has gone down a little bit and that actually people have kind of accepted it? Or do you still hear as much uh, noise as, as you heard before? Yeah, I, I would say it's... I would say it's definitely gone down. There's definitely some people that still refuse to buy the permit. But, I mean, take for instance, I was on a kayak this weekend just turkey hunting with my kids. It, there was people, like, everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Like, from people camping, from people trying to escape the fires in California, I mean, there was more California license plates than I've ever seen in my life. I mean, there was um, bikers, you know, everybody enjoying the woods, everybody. And that, that's what they're there for. It's public land. Um, so so to, to not have that many people in the woods and pay whatever it is, 110 bucks, to know that everyone that is there either has a tag or paid the same or is all the same, you know, um, you know, rules, no sitting wire, no running trail cameras, no spotlighting. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it is definitely, I think it's, it's made Unit 10 better. Um, you compare it to Unit 9, there's still people fighting over water in Unit 9. It just takes all of that out of the equation, you know? You know, yeah, especially this year with COVID, you know, we... We had hunters in 7 West, 6A, 5B, 7 East. Uh, you know, those are all right here about Flagstaff. Uh, we had a hunter in Unit 1. I mean, there's a lot of recreationalists in, the, in those units. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they have a, a serious impact uh, on the success of that archery hunt when there's that many people camping and recreationalists out in the woods, whereas... In 10, there's not many people, or, you know, on the Bokeas, so there are not going to many people that are going to pay 80 bucks uh, to, uh, you know, to have that permit to go out on the ranch just to camp. So uh, it takes that whole, this year especially, took all the recreationalists off the unit uh, where all the other units uh, were, act, you know, definitely impacted uh, with everybody camping. Yeah, I, I even had a, you know, one of my favorite tanks up on the Kaibab that I like you know, turkey hunting, that's what I was doing up there with my kids. And, you know, I had a, there was a guy camped 130 yards off of, off of one of the main water sources that's there. And I, he was, I had to let him know, like, hey, did you know you, you got to be a quarter mile away from water? You know, not confrontational at all. And just letting him know. And he's like, yeah, Game of Fish came and notified us. Yeah, we're, we're definitely learning. And I'm like, well, okay, why don't you pack up your camp and move it so the wildlife can drink some water right now? You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it, being it, responsible. So it, it, yeah, it just it just takes all of that type of stuff out of the equation whenever whenever you're making people that access that land read all the rules, whereas somebody from California or you know wherever it could be utah Colorado, it could be wherever literally just shows up in the woods and they don't they don't know what the rules are right you know 
You guys, so, you guys mentioned a handful of other units. Uh, what was the general consensus across the board on a lot of those other units with your hunters as well, as far as the season goes? That uh, that five B hunt this year was was a good uh, was a good hunt. Um, we had uh, three hunters in there this year. All three of them killed within the first couple of days. Um, they they moved that hunt back. I don't know if you remember that. They put that muzzleloader 5B South hunt in front of the 5B North Archery bull tag. Um, and, yeah, so we had great success on that. Um, unit 1, um, he killed opening day. Um, 7 West passed up some bulls. 6A um, passed up bulls, um, and he did not fill his tag. Um, the other six day guy, um, booked the second week of the hunt and not the first week. That's, I, we do like to give people that option if they're looking more. Um, we usually try to say if you're gonna, if you're gonna trophy hunt, um, you know, book the first week because all of our scouting is gonna go towards that one bull. Um, if you're wanting more of a rut, um, and, and a chance at more opportunities, we, we like to book them the second week. Um, and the guy that booked the first week had a chance at a stud bull. Um, and then the second guy obviously, um, shot like a 330 bull. Um, 70 spilled. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was pretty much it for the archery hunts. I, I would say overall, the second week is always better, and it even proved it on the 5D North Archery Hunt when they pushed it back. So, let's shift gears a second. Sound like you were up on the Kayabab for the turkey hunt. Uh, we've got the early season Kayabab hunts and the late season Kayabab. Talk about the Kayabab, your thoughts on this year, your thoughts on the fire. You know, give me an assessment. Yeah, I mean, Jake, you know, we uh, we love the Kaibab. Uh, most of your listeners, I mean, we only hunt 12A, 12B. Uh, we spend all of our time right there. Uh, we love the Kaibab. Um, you know, the fire, uh, certainly, uh, I guess the biggest impact to the fire, uh, it won't impact the hunt much this year. Uh, it'll, it'll be off the charts uh, in years past. The one fire that's, I think, 12 or 13 years old, is really starting to get overgrown and getting harder and harder to hunt. Uh, but the biggest impact, they've got some roads closed. Uh, uh, they've got the 461 and the 462 to come off of uh, off the top down through the warm uh, Springs Canyon. That's closed, so there's no way to get from Jacob Lake down to the 22 road. And then the biggest impact is the 22 road. They've got it uh, closed coming out of Fredonia there. Uh, where it connects with the 422, the winter road, uh, and uh, stops, uh, it closes at Big Springs. So they've got about a 10-mile, 11-mile stretch there of 22 that is closed. That will certainly impact some access. Won't really seriously impact the hunt much because most of the feeder roads, uh, if you know how to get around the Kaibab, you can access most of it. But uh, getting camp in and out and all that, uh, the 22 road, uh, is is really going to make it tough. The late hunt will be seriously impacted if we have a snow event. Uh, not being able to get into the 22 or going through the Oak Corral uh, down to the winter range, uh, you can't come off the top uh, 
if there's snow. Uh, the early hunt, we should be fine. Doesn't look like we'll have any weather, so we can access uh, the whole Kaibab. But with the 22-row closed for the late hunt, and it's scheduled right now to stay closed until the 20th, which is opening day, hopefully uh, the Forest Service will look at that and, and change it up before the late hunt, because otherwise, if we have a snow event, uh, there will be no access into the west side um, winter country uh, for the deer, and that'll uh, that'll seriously impact the hunt. And I feel bad for those uh, guys that drew this year. Uh, that uh, you know that, that that's a potential uh, not have any access to the winter range on the west side. So we'll see. We've got some hunters, late hunters. We're watching it close. Uh, may have to get tags back. Uh, you know, people that uh, drew in the random uh, probably ought to just make the best of it and go for it. Uh, those that got the preference tag that can get it next year, uh, you know, likely uh, be best to get it back. But uh, the east side's not affected at all. 12B is not affected. Uh, it's just 12A West uh, right now where, you know, 70,000 acre fire, magnet fire rolled through. So it's uh, it, it, uh, so I guess that's kind of the quick summary. Uh, we're excited about the Kaibab. It's, it's hot and dry, just like the whole state. Uh, antler growth uh, seems to be right on par with last year. Uh, our age class is excellent. Uh, we are looking forward uh, to the year of Kaibab to start off here in a couple weeks. Uh, we've got some 200 inch bucks that uh, we hope to go put on the ground. So we're excited about the early hunt kicking off here, both uh, in 12B and 12A West. Kevin, one question about the roads being closed, just thinking outside the box and someone that does, you know, I've hunted the Kaibab, but it's been a long time, don't know it real well. I mean, playing a devil's advocate, if, if the roads are going to be closed, I mean, is there any way to get to the low country? And if, if not, I mean, could you literally go two weeks early and just go get down, get established, and, and stay in there? And even take supplies if you got a, if you got a huge snow, just be able to ride it out for a couple of weeks? Jay, the problem is, okay, so the early hunters, there will be very little impact. Uh, if the deer go down low, you can hunt the winter range. The difficulty with... Uh, and this is the reason why Forest Service has closed that 22 road. They're afraid that they're going to get a bunch of people into that winter range and then not be able to get them out if they have a snow event. So, um, uh, yes, you could go in there, uh, uh, but the road system is uh, on the 22 road getting out of Oak Corral. If it's washed out, and that could likely happen with a rain event or a snow event, uh, if that road gets washed out, uh, you're there, uh, you know, getting evacuated by helicopter because there is no way out of that country uh, except the 22-year-old. Uh, you know, you've got to, uh, you're going to climb back up to 8,000 feet uh, to be able to, uh, you know, to get back to any pavement or get back to any access to get you back uh, out of that country. So uh, there's only one way in, one way out. If it gets washed out, uh, you're there uh, and getting evacuated by helicopter. So it's a, you know, the late hunt, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens between now and then. Uh, yeah, it's so because you want the snow. Yeah. And, but then, yeah, if you're, if you're down there, you're hosed. I mean, you got chains and stuff, but if we get a good snowstorm, you're, you better be wall taped. 
and you might have to leave your wall tent out there. It's definitely not trailers. I mean, there's no way you're getting a trailer out of there. So it's just difficult. If, if uh, they're cons- the uh, you know the 22 road where the you know uh, Moquich, Mangum, Big Springs, Warren Springs, all these monster canyons that roll right into the 22, and the 22 perpendicular to all those canyons. All those canyons are completely fried, uh, and any water event that comes off that watershed, uh, and we've had no water hardly at all. We had a couple of rains, and it's my understanding that it, that it impacted the 22 road already. We've had no rain events at all. But if we get a good rain event coming off uh, that heavy charred uh, canyons, it will wipe out the 22 road. Uh, and then there will be no access period uh, to get out of there uh, in the case of a snow event. So that's what Forest Service is worried about. You know, you, you hate, uh, you know, the government to be trying to protect everybody for themselves. Uh, and I, I hope, uh, uh, you know, I don't know why they have it closed for the early hunt, quite frankly, because, uh, you know, generally uh, we don't have snow events. Uh, and there's a lot of ways out of that country without a snow event. But with a snow event, you know, again, you can't climb into that eight, 9,000-foot elevation to get back up to the pavement to get out of there. And, and uh, there's one way in, one way out. If it washes out, you're stuck. Uh, you know, trailers are, are no dice, and vehicles are likely to be, uh, you know, difficult to get in and out of. One thing, yeah. one thing to look at is potentially some bucks are going to probably live another year and next year the guys that have tags it sounds like it could be a phenomenal hunt because everything i'm hearing is the kaibab's trending up and if you've got a situation where you know not a lot of bucks get killed on this late hunt next year could be absolutely unbelievable what are your thoughts on that absolutely yeah i mean yeah we're not trying to scare people that have late tags we have clients on the late hunt um i i would just say you know if if there is a giant snowstorm, you know, it's going to be tough. I mean, that's all there is to it. You know, and, and uh, you know, with the road closed, uh, if we get a snow event, it's going to be tough. If we don't have snow, no problem. We can get in and out of that country uh, with, uh, you know, even with the foot of snow, you can get in and out of that country. Uh, you know, we had a big snow event last year on the, on the of course, on the, first weekend of the elk hunt, which is the last weekend of the Kaibab. Uh, and, uh, you know, some people got stuck in there and the roads were fine, but, uh, if you get the road washed out, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be tough, but, um, yeah, not to over alarm anybody, people with late hunts, we're watching it, uh, in the event that we don't have any weather, uh, the late hunt will be just fine and we'll be, uh, we'll be real good. Uh, and luckily, people can turn their tag back right up to the you know the day before the hunt. So um, hopefully, you have a burn point guard. That's one of the reasons why we have point guard. Uh, we'll see how that late hunt goes. Guys, it's we're all- excited for the early hunt here in a couple of weeks. The early hunt should be good, and uh, you know we're killing two hundred inch bucks on that early hunt. Uh, and uh, a non-resident can actually draw that tag. That's a positive thing about that early hunt, and uh, it's uh, it should be a good one this year. 
Guys, it's always great having you on the podcast. I appreciate both of you getting together in one spot so I could talk to you both and uh, look forward to seeing your success on the Kayabab. And, uh, yeah, just thanks uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having us. Thanks, yep. I'm going to link up uh, the best way to for guys to, uh, you know, get a hold of you. But what is that? Uh, how do you got? How do you want people to reach out to you? Yeah, check out our website, the best way, highpointoutfitters.net. Uh, another way, shoot us an email at shoot, so it's S-H-O-O-T, at highpointoutfitters.net. Uh, our telephone number's on the website, too, so you don't have to jot that down. But yeah, give us a haul or shoot us an email. Uh, you know, of course, this time of year, we're in the field a lot, but uh, we do return phone calls and we do return emails, so we will get back with you and uh, help you on your uh, hunts this year or in the future. We'd love to have you. Um, you know, one quick note on antelope. You know, uh, you know, we're big in 10 on antelope, uh, but we're going to put a pause on 10 for antelope. We really struggled. Antelope are struggling in 10. Uh, you know, we love 5B. We killed a governor's tag uh, hunter in there this year. Uh, 5B, 5A look like the places to be. We'd probably stay away from 10. Just a quick note on animal. Good stuff. Guys, thanks as always, okay? Thanks, Jay. God, God bless. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye.